This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Podcast by The Business Times. I'm your host, Howie Lim. Now, the ETF industry is poised for continued success in 2022, as evidenced by investors growing comfort with ETFs in 2021. But with more than 2,000 products available and many competing with one another for your attention, asset managers must focus on investor education to highlight what makes their product unique. But how can you navigate the concerns surrounding the market brought on by the pandemic's variants and inflation, for example? Good thing we have some expert help. We're speaking today to Ng Keng Xiang, Asia-Pacific Head of Fixed Income and Head of Singapore at State Street Global Advisors. This episode is brought to you by State Street Global Advisors. King Xiang, thanks for your time. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's talk about how, towards the end of last year, we saw renewed interest in Asian bonds as concerns around the Delta variant of COVID-19 eased, right? I mean, how much will we still need to take into account volatility as markets turn to concerns around the Omicron variant now? And future variants, maybe, plus there's geopolitical events, inflation, like I mentioned. What do you think? Thanks, Harvey. I, I think there's still going to be very much of a uncertain outlook going forward. And yes, rightly, you pointed out that we still need to pay attention to the volatility in the market, as well as the inflation and also the trajectory of the interest rates movements. I think we are now at a stage whereby, um, having seen the, the COVID recovery, plus also the supply chain disruptions, we are seeing prices going up in several commodity prices, including food prices. And the authorities right now are grappling with how to deal with the rising inflation. Initially, people were saying that this is going to be transitory, but as of now, it doesn't look like it's going to be that case. It could be still sticky for a while. So I think investors need to pay heed to the potential kind of uh, market changes as well as disruptions coming through. And so therefore, managing your investments carefully in this time of the year will still be a key part of how you manage the risk. Mm, so many things for us to think about, right? And also sometimes you get pulled in the direction of, oh, things are looking up because there was a watershed year that the SGX listed ETFs had last year in 2021. So it's a good time, you think, for investors to consider Asian bonds, King Xiang? Yeah, Howie, I think that for investors need to continue to kind of look at investing into Asian bonds as part of your core investment allocation, right? Now, in, in terms of timing of increasing or reducing the exposures, that's something different. But I think as of now, investors would have witnessed the swing of volatilities in the different asset classes, right? Equities and fixed income. So I think Asian bonds, if I look at the recent performance over the last few months, uh, it has shown that it is one asset class whereby the volatility is much less compared to other global emerging markets. So it does provide some relative stability to the overall investments of the portfolio for investors. So I think as of now, while we are still looking at potential rise in interest rates, it is still a good asset class for investors to consider for medium to long term. So Ken Xiang, let's talk about how investors should also consider fixed income against other investment trends, maybe thematic ETFs, or for example, Moving from cloud computing to electric vehicles, maybe. I mean, are those things just as stable, like you mentioned about Asian bonds? Yep. Generally, for fixed income investing, investors should consider fixed income as their bigger picture asset allocation and risk management, right? So, therefore, 
while you have certain thematic investing into ETFs or other asset sectors, uh, we should always consider fixed income as part of your core allocation in managing the risk. So you can consider it from the point of view that it could be a global fixed income, uh, whether it could be a government only or with some corporate bonds. Or you can also consider it from an emerging market perspective, whether you want it to be more regionally focused, like investing into Asia bonds such as PAVE or you know, broader global EM. Now, the various investors' appetite for risk, I think, is one key thing to consider. You know, some may be just sticking with more high-grade investment grade. Some may even want to consider providing some diversification into high-yield bonds. But at the end of the day, we think that investors can should need to consider the investing of fixed income as part of their core allocation as a long-term basis. King Xiang, when you say investors, you also mean retail and institutional because there's an expectation that institutional investors will continue to embrace fixed income ETFs into 2022, right? That would be correct. Um, not just the uh, institutional investors, we are expecting retail investors to also participate in ETFs. Now, what the ETFs in terms of investing has provided investors globally is the ease to trade fixed income investments because we know that fixed income in terms of bond purchase amount is fairly large compared to equity. So by investing into the fixed income ETFs, investors can instantaneously create a diversified portfolio of fixed income assets into their portfolio. And I think that it will be a very attractive feature for both institutional and retail investors alike. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. We're speaking today to Ng Keng Xiang, Asia-Pacific Head of Fixed Income and Head of Singapore at State Street Global Advisors. This episode is brought to you by State Street Global Advisors. So Keng Xiang, for Asian bond investors, how can fixed income ETFs be an instrumental tool in positioning portfolios for what lies ahead? Inflation, geopolitical shifts, etc. Yeah, for, for Asian fixed income um, I think because of the very nature of Asian markets, right, they are not homogenous. So all of them have different kind of growth cycles, monetary policy, and fiscal policy conditions. So right now for investors trying to get a wide exposure into Asian fixed income, it is not easy because you need to kind of invest into individual markets separately. But if you invest into an Asian fixed income ETFs, such as PAVE, that can create investors a very good and powerful approach to having a diversified portfolio into the Asian bonds. Now, that itself would create a lot of diversification benefits for the overall portfolio. And so therefore, from time to time, when investors see that there is a potential risk of events, let's say in global or in, in, in the regional Asia, they can consider investing into Asian fixed income ETFs as part of a, a safe haven for them to kind of protect the value of the investment. I have another question about monetary policy, though, King Xiang. Given what is priced into markets right now against this uncertain backdrop, what are the likely risks to yield curves in, say, the U.S. bond market as well as the Asian bond market? I mean, will Asian bond yields continue to remain attractive even as yields in the U.S. start to pick up? 
Let's look at the first part of the question whereby, you know, what would be the impact on the yield curves? Given what the monetary policy direction that we are likely to be heading in the next few months, we are seeing the Asian bond yields as well as the U.S. curve starting to flatten. Right? There has been a talk of even potential inversion in the case of U.S. But on the Asian fixed income markets, generally we can expect a further flattening of the curve as the Asian central banks may be raising rates. There are some have already done so, some not yet. Uh, but we are seeing a bit of a sell-off pressures, mostly um, dominated by the front end of the yield curve. So that's something that I think investors need to pay attention to. Now, to the second part on of your questions, you think that Asian bond yields, while they are rising, they are rising much slower than U.S., right? So in that sense, the U.S. yields are f- rising much faster. That would reduce the attractiveness of Asian bond investing versus that of U.S., at least at for the near term. But I think investors need to look at medium to long term. What we expect is the Asian central bank's rate rise will be a little bit behind the curve because the Asian central banks in general are seeing inflation rising at a much slower pace. There could be some countries a bit different, but generally we are expecting Asian central banks on average to be lagging behind the US in terms of interest rate movements. So in the later part of the year, we might expect the Asian central bank starts to raise rates more. And so therefore, it will then make the Asian bond yields more attractive at that point in time. Okay, so will this downward trend of keeping durations at the lower end continue? And wouldn't a barbell strategy be better, you think? We're talking about uncertainty, right? And we're always told the more diversified, the better. What do you think? Well, I think in terms of the duration kind of exposures. In general, in a rising yield environment, you want to keep the duration of your portfolios lower. I think that the overall total portfolio duration should be kind of positioned that way. Now, at the same time, investors may want to consider having a uh, flattener, we call it a flattener of the yield curve trade, whereby you have more exposure in the long end, uh, but less uh, of the exposures in the short end with a duration adjustment basis. So I think that is kind of the strategy that we'll be looking at. But I think in Asia, we, we can't say that it is going to be applied across the, the board because in Asia, for instance, in China, we are seeing more likely the interest rate may stay low. There could be potential for rate cuts and so on. But in other Asian countries, we are seeing uh, some selling and some expectations of interest rates rising. So I think in, in general, we would say that uh, for the um, kind of current market environment and uncertainty, uh, investors need to be paying potential, uh, paying attention to the various potential challenges that's coming from different markets. So I think having a more nimble approach would be beneficial in, in the overall situation. And in general, King Xiang, what's the outlook you think for the Asian bond market in 2022 and beyond? And should we look so far? Maybe we should reassess every six months, eight months maybe? Yeah, in terms of the outlook, um, we obviously can't kind of uh, guarantee or foresee what's going to happen in the next six to 12 months. Um, but in general, at this point in time, I think the sentiment on the Asian bonds are a little bit weak because of the rising U.S. interest rates and also the uncertainty, the geopolitical tension that we are seeing in the European side. So therefore, we might see more volatility coming up from the Asian market as well. So I think near term, we might see a bit of a weakness in Asian bonds. But I think in the second half of the year, we might start to see a rebound in the Asian bonds, including the Asian currencies as well. 
So of course, right now in the situation may be still very fluid, right? So I think investors need to consider the the changes and the dynamics very carefully and make the appropriate adjustment from time to time. But I would say that in general, so far at least, investors should you know consider Asian bonds as one of the core allocation keeping them as part of the um, safe haven alternative, right? So if you were to reduce your assets in risky assets such as equity completely bidding in cash, I think that may not necessarily be the best solution. Perhaps you want to consider some allocation to Asian fixed income and that would help to reduce some of your potential volatility in the overall portfolio constructions. I'd like to ask my expert guest, King Xiang, in or out, what do you think? Well, I think in general, we, we are still looking at a pretty decent year, I would expect towards the end of the year, but at least as of now, you know, we will still see a fair bit of headwind. But I think investors need to continue to stay tight and, and watch out. Uh, I think we should end up reasonably well at, at the end of the year. Thanks for your advice, King Xiang, and thanks for being with us today. Thank you. We've been discussing Asian bonds and their growth opportunities with Ng Keng Xiang, Asia-Pacific Head of Fixed Income and Head of Singapore at State Street Global Advisors. And that's a wrap for this podcast by The Business Times. I'm Howie Lim. This episode is brought to you by State Street Global Advisors. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the Audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.